Never regret giving everything you have to, to other people. You know, don't be stingy. Uh, there'll always be another another paycheck that comes comes and rolls around. You know, you never nothing ever feels as good as making somebody else happy. Mm. By go dummy, go beast, oh no. I go beast, go deep, I OD, oh no. What's up? It's your man B Holmes back with another episode of Doors to Success where I lay out the B-Print, which is me teaching you how to knock, open, and conquer the different doors of success in your life. Today, super excited, got a very special guest here, someone I've been keeping my eyes on for a long time in the industry, and we're here to have him tell his story. None other than my main man, Roman Miller. Roman, what up? Thanks for having me on. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Good. Real good. Good. So, how was the flight? You came from, where'd you come from? Uh, Orlando. Orlando, Florida. Orlando, Florida. A little different uh, temperature here? Yeah, it's dry. Coming back out here, my nose is just all just dry and crusty and back to how it was back in Vegas. So it was nice being in Florida. Everything's moisturized and super humid, you know, humid so it feels good out here. I'm all dry knuckle and ready to go back home again. Ready to get back in the humidity? Yep. Uh, so let's, let's jump in on that. So tell us, you said home is Vegas. Yeah. So... Where'd you grow up, man? Tell us about home a little bit. What's Vegas. Vegas? Yeah, I was born in Vegas, born and raised in Vegas. Okay. Uh, spent my whole my whole life there until I joined the military at 19. 19. 19. Yeah. What branch? Navy. Navy. What Navy. made you choose Navy? Uh, just the program I, w- I wanted to go in. Um, okay. Just, uh, just a different path. So be around, you know, some different dudes. So, so back up a little bit. Now... I have the pleasure of knowing your dad, knowing your old man, Jim Miller. If you don't know Jim Miller, he he's famous. <laughs> this man is famous. I've got so many stories on old Jim. But uh, so Roman and myself have crossed paths multiple times in the industry. And, um, in fact, there was a point in time where I worked with his dad. And uh, he's just a character. Get, explain your dad in, in three words. Give me three words to explain old Jim. Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> no, he's uh, uh, just selfless, uh, caring, and uh, just, God, there's so many words through stuff. So just the last one would just be uh, just thoughtful, just always thinking about everybody but himself. That's that's like impressive because um, if you saw your dad, he's got shaved head, big old goatee, big biceps, tattoos. Like the guy, like li- looks like he lives on a Harley. Yeah. But yeah. so when you explain who he is, it just I think that speaks to your character. So maybe um, what's one what's one really important lesson that your dad taught you about life growing up? Give uh, give everything that you have to. You'll never regret giving everything you have to, to other people. You know, don't be stingy. Uh, there'll always be another another paycheck that comes comes and rolls around. You know, you never nothing ever feels as good as making somebody else happy mm. by just getting them something. You know, or giving them something or being there for them. You know, growing up, my dad was always my biggest fan. Just no matter what I want to do, it didn't matter. He never told me no. I can't think of a single time. Where he was like, that's stupid. You know, not seriously. And so a lot of people have these stories where they're like, oh, my, my parents always told me I was going to be a loser, like all this shit. Like, I never had that, no matter what it was. And he was always 100%. Even though his, like his, his setup wasn't the greatest, you know, went through a bunch of different divorces and, you know, was taken advantage of. And he just never never let that get to him. It was always just there for me and my sister the entire time. And I had a great life growing up as a kid. You know, people look at my situation and think that, you know, going through, well, he's been married four times now, yeah. you know. Uh, mom was a drug addict. Second one was a drug addict. <clears throat> Third one needed drugs. And <laughs> No, seriously, she, she did. She just wouldn't take them. And uh, they would look at my situation and be like, oh, that fucking sucks. And I was like, well, I mean, that part of it does, but yeah. he never – Never gave up on number one, which was his duty to, you know, be there for me and my sister. That's awesome. 
What um, do you have a, a story that reminds you that kind of in, embodies what you're talking about? Your dad just being selfless for you and your sister amongst everything going on. <sighs> everything, but my uh, I don't personally remember it. I I. I I think I, like, I have this vision in my head um, from the story. I've been told a million times by my grandma. Um, but, so I'm not sure if I remember it, like, truly from my own memory or if it's just because I was told a bunch of times. But my dad, either he just got divorced with his, he was his second wife, mm-hmm. found out she was doing drugs, and we got out. And we, every single time he left the woman that he was with, he didn't take anything. He's like, I'm leaving. I'm gone. I don't want you to have anything on me. I don't want you to try to come after me for anything. We're just done. You can have everything. We'll leave, you know? And so like, I saw my dad lose everything three different times growing up, mm. you know? And so he, uh, after the second marriage, he left and we moved into this uh, apartment and we didn't have anything. And we, he got a bed and put it in our, mine and my sister's room. And we would sleep on the bed, obviously. And he he was a construction worker, our single parent, didn't make a lot of money, but he slept on the, the floor in the, the living room. I don't know how long, but just he could have easily slept on there with us or, you know what I mean? And so just that was like my first like early memory of like finding out who my dad was. That's a big deal. Beds are a big deal. I'm like a big deal bed guy. Yeah. Like. My wife is like, hey, if, if she invites her parents over, she's like, hey, you can come, come sleep in our bed. And I'm like, no one touches my bed. Yeah. Like, to give up a bed is like, I would rather give someone $5,000 to not sleep in my bed. Yeah. So that's a big, I understand yeah. the, the magnitude there. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. What about, um, so how do you meet uh, Allie's current lady? I don't know. I was in boot camp when I was in the military. Okay. And he, uh. He, he, we were writing letters back and forth, and he said he met this girl and woman, you know, and he loved her. And it was actually funny in boot camp, she wrote me a couple letters as well, which was cool. Wrote her a little bit, and then I don't really know how they met, though. So, can I share my story that I first met Allie? Is it is it is it good for is anything legal here? I don't care. (laughs) I don't know the story, but maybe I'm learning here too. So, so. I was uh, I was the VP of sales for a company called Vivint Solar, and I had a couple 18 teams I'd go around and visit. And he was in the Vegas team. And uh, the managers at the time are current partners, Austin and Morgan, and they are like, telling me about the team. They'd recruited some guys. And uh, I had introduced Mel to those guys because I'd knew i known Mel from years before. And so I don't remember how that all went. That was years ago. But they were telling me about the different people, like, hey, we got this guy. And he's a hoot. You got to see him. He's like this rock star, but like he's like freedom, like like tattooed on this like America. Like he's got this like social media account where like he's just like ruthless about freedom and America. Like so, this this I I got this guy right smashing beers on his forehead. Like I'm like okay, this is the guy I'm envisioning, right? And they're like, and his wife, she's actually here working too. I'm like, really? Like that's unique. I'm like, how old are they? Like oh, I think they're in their like late forties or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like. Like, oh, it's Roman's dad. I'm like, oh, are you serious? So I'm, like, excited, right? Yeah. And I got this, like, Hulk Hogan-looking guy in my – and it, it, he actually – I walked in, and I knew exactly who he was. And I'm like, you must be Jim. I rocked yeah. right up to him. And uh, and I, he went to introduce. I looked over, and I kid you not, I see she is looking at someone's armpit, <laughs> just <laughs> staring at the armpit. And I'm like, wait, she's not – no, don't, don't. And she was like, gotta go give it, like, oh, I heard this story. gotta go lick the armpit. And I'm like, stop. Like, I run over. I'm like, let me introduce you. Like, so it was a big joke. And there, there was a joke going on. And I was across the room observing this. And I run over and introduce myself. And uh, anyway, she was super sweet. And so it was just funny to have this first interaction. And, uh, but they've always exceeded expectations. And your dad is just, uh, Kind of like a silent hero of mine. I just think he's just such a good dude. He's such a stud. He's just so loyal, like you said. But uh, last thing I want to talk about your dad. Tell us about this little, his social media battle. He's got a little battle on social media. Tell me about the, the people who like to hear about his social media battle, because I like to hear about it. He just um, likes to 
to pick fights over the internet. You know, if, <laughs> if he did it in person, he'd be in prison or murder. Right. So right. it's like, well, I'd like to, you know, he wants to spread his word, you know, the gospel of, you know, stone cold. And so <laughs> he, uh, he just goes on there. He's passionate. You know, there, it's, it's never, there's no ill intent. He, right. He, uh, he's just passionate about it, you know, his views and, <sighs> Sometimes takes a little too far, and he he's just very sarcastic. So he gets you know? banned, yeah. right? And then he makes another one. He gets banned. God. He makes another one. What's the name of his new account? Uh, the artist. Well, it's Tafka. Uh, I don't know what the last two letters are, but the artist formerly known as is it Jam James Miller? James Miller. Yeah, yeah. the yeah. artist formerly known as James yeah. Miller, <laughs> and that's his, uh, his alias now. So he can fly under the radar, and I think he's being a little bit more. Uh, more uh, cautious with his words because I think he's running out of emails to make a new uh, new Facebook account. So. <laughs> so I'm I'm using this as I think it's important to know you know where we've been and and why we are who we are. I'm, and I'm talking about your pops because I feel like me selfishly knowing the people involved here it speaks a lot to your character and I feel like it helps paint a really good picture of who you are and why. Um, and furthermore. What I'm also impressed with is that, you know, while this time when he was working for me, you were worth another company. And I want to talk about this because this is when I really started to realize what was going on was you were at another company because you came with us for like a week or so. And then you went to another company and you started to make a buzz. I think you did, what did you, you did, how many accounts in a month? You did 33 solar installs in one month. Is that right? Yeah. Personally? Yeah. Loans. Yeah. 33 loans, which is unheard of. Um, you know, guys, that's like the top tier at any other company out there, any big box company, 30 plus loans is their top tier for their top pay. Um, 31 was actually what it was at, at, at uh, in a month or a quarter in a quarter, yeah. right? In a quarter. And you did it in a third of the time, which was impressive. Um, and then the next month where it really started and I'm talking to your pops, he's like, you got to talk to, got to talk to my boy. You got to talk to my boy. You got to get him over here. And I'm like, I think he's doing really good. Like, I don't want <laughs> to rock the boat. The next quarter, um, you ended up starting with the, uh, as the manager. And how that team went and set some records, right? I think you guys did almost five megs. What did you guys end up doing that next year? Uh, no, we did six, six megawatts. Um, but that was in Colorado when I, I set that personal record. That was mm -hmm. my first year. Right. Um, I hated Colorado. Knocking in the snow sucks when you're when you're <laughs> when your feet when your feet get wet and okay. in the snow. It's like uh, I don't want to do this no more. So, um, towards the end of my first year there, um, that was my first year in solar actually in in Colorado. <clears throat> um, I hate I didn't really like my managers too much, and I just wanted to kind of grow and and get better, and mm -hmm. kind of felt in some ways they were holding me back. And so, um, I told the the president of the company and I wanted to go home because the market had started back up because that's what happened remember right. in, in Vegas yep. the market shut down so that's why I went to Colorado with that other company and so the market had opened back up and I told him I wanted to go home and open up an office in Vegas and so um, right before Christmas in 2018 I they gave me the go ahead and I just moved back home and it was like, I'm just going to start an office. And I'm like, all right, good luck, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, and then got there, and my dad was obviously the first on board, January 1st. And then throughout that year, we just kept building, 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 and actually ended the year. Started at, you know, zero reps or one. And then uh, at the end of the year, ended with, uh, I think it was like 920-something installs and about a little over six megawatts. <clears throat> That's crazy. So yeah. 900 plus installs in a year as the first year manager, 33 installs in a month as a sales rep. Um, speak to a little bit about, because to do 33 in a month, I mean, you've got to have done that to know what that means, but you're not, ha you don't have a personal life to get that done. Um, you've got to actually seriously commit. And then to, start a team for you what's the difference between doing 33 personal in a month and then doing 900 in a year as a manager speak to the different skill sets that you needed because you need two very different skill sets but what did you notice as a as a rep doing 33 in a month and then as a manager doing 900 in a year what were the the, the standout moments for you um you know so 
everybody they they always talk about these uh whatever like the the top athlete in any industry whenever they do something crazy like formula one drivers or golfers or basketball players and they do something just nutty that mm-hmm. they're like what how'd this guy do this and they always go interview him and the m- most common answer is i don't remember I was just kind of in the zone. Like, it's not – they weren't doing anything different. Mm-hmm. They almost kind of just got into that little zone. Um, so I didn't feel overworked. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel – because at the time, it's fun. You know, it's fun. Yeah. And when you're doing something that you enjoy, it's not draining. You just mm-hmm. want to do more and more and more. And so, luckily in this, when you get to that level of just, like, you're just spitting fire, like you're just the, the – you know, the voice of Jesus and they're speaking <laughs> to people and they're just buying it for me no matter what. Um, it's not, it's, it wasn't hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so getting to that point was, but doing it, it wasn't tough. Um, you just had to focus on yourself, uh, make sure you're doing all the right things in the house and it's, it's not very taxing. Um, but then going in and obviously doing it, uh, setting, building a team and, and helping other people do that. It's shifting your, your goals and your your wants and your desires onto for other people you know and i never wanted to be the best rep anymore after i did that that month mm-hmm. um it was boring after that point like cool i did the show what 34 36 40 like what does it matter my i'm already stoked i'm making more money than i know what to do with just buying stupid shit so like doing it more myself is not enjoyable anymore right you know and so going and moving into a different position to where you have to help other people do it is much more fulfilling. It's tougher because you have to learn to work with other people right? and their help motivate them on how they need to be motivated. And that's the hardest part. Um, but, uh, it's, it's much more fulfilling. It's much more fulfilling because when you start making the type of money that guys in this industry make, it's not about the money anymore. Right. It doesn't matter. You, you, whether I make a half a million, a million, 10 million, like I just, my happiness level has not increased with my income. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really has not. But my happiness level does increase when other people are making more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love it, man. That's, that's sage wisdom right there. And I think that that, that wisdom and that logic, I actually have two questions that you, you made me think of. I'm going to ask you in a minute, but we'll stay on this vein. Um, to, um, but saying on that vein, sorry, is with that logic in mind and that idea, what, what spurned you to want to have all the money in the world to buy crazy, stupid shit, which my question is, what's the craziest stupid thing you've ever bought with the money you made in solar? Hold that thought. But actually, you know what? What is it? What's the craziest stupid thing you've ever bought with your, your solar money? Cause people don't know what kind of money you can make in solar. And I try to tell people, and I actually keep my pay stubs back in the old Jersey days. And, you know, when we had eight teams and I was the direct manager, I kept, I, I was smart about it, right? Yeah. I, I kept yeah. them close. So when people don't realize when you can pull, you know, seven figure checks under a 300 day period in a year, door to door sales, people don't believe you. But with that kind of money, things change. Yeah. So what did you, what's the craziest, stupidest thing you've ever bought with solar money? uh i i wouldn't so stupid um if i had to look back stupid would be um the tesla okay the tesla i loved it but um there's no point like what's the point of doing it right i bought that then i bought a raptor yeah like i got a fucking tesla and a raptor and i'm like what the hell am i doing you know Um, so that was stupid in like a financial sense crazy um Nothing like cra- like I don't know. I I I bought these damn Louis Vuitton wallets for <laughs> like five different people and just got them, got them engraved with because at Louis you can get a uh, your the initials. initials. Yeah, so I got yeah. and then I lost mine. So now I have another one because it doesn't have the initials on it. But it is funny when you when once you like experience a certain level of income, it is interesting how you do gravitate to that being the norm. Yeah. And you just don't stand for anything else. It's yeah. really stupid, I know. But yeah. I remember back, same thing with, I, I, yeah, a lot of dumb stuff. I bought a lot of dumb stuff. And you call it dumb, but, you know, I actually got into buying watches, timepieces. 
and everyone thought it was stupid. And I, you know, my first one I bought was, and again, I remember at the time I was young, uh, we didn't have very many, I had two kids, but uh, they were young. So I bought, I spent $7,000 on my first timepiece. And at the time that was stupid. But now that was almost 10, I don't know, 15 years ago. That watch is now worth 12000 Yes, that's not a stupid purchase. That, but at the time, right? Absolutely. So you, you never know what's going to accrue value yeah. with it being a purchase. And, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why we do things. I think, you know, with buying that that per or the uh, wallet and the bags and the cars, did you ever have sort of a, um, a goal – like, would you set the goal to go get the Raptor and then go achieve it? Or was it like you had the money and then you just went and wanted to spend it? No, whenever, um, and I know you you know this feeling, um, it just keeps rolling in, the money. <laughs> and it you don't need to save for anything. Right. Like, it's if you want it, you just go get it. That's why I'm, people always say I'm, I'm so hard to buy gifts for because I just have everything that I want because I'm terrible, uh, can be very terrible with my money and at times. And so... Um, yeah, just going, no, I never saved for anything, um, because I, it was just always there and there were just these 50,000, you know, $50,000 override checks just coming monthly and you know, it was coming cause everything that was done last month gets paid next month. So mm -hmm. it's like, you're just, you're, you're spending money that you don't have that you know is in the pipeline. So it's just not smart, but, uh, yeah, never saved, just went and bought whatever I wanted really like it. That's yeah. fun. Luckily, uh, we all grow older. You all get a little more, we get sage. You go through experiences where the money, I mean, this is what I've learned, is that you go make the sales guy money, and you realize that there's no end to it because if you can actually realize that if you ever want something, you can look at a neighborhood at a street, and this is how my brain like operates, where if I look at a street and I can say, I can go knock these 10 doors here and pay my entire mortgage in the next two hours, by talking to 10 people because I know I'm going to sell one of them. Yeah, yeah. And my numbers say in 10, I'll sell two and install one, right? So it actually starts to get you super liberated when you start thinking in a matter of the bills you start clicking off your list. And then all of a sudden, by day four, all your bills are paid for. And you're like, now I want to go to Bora Bora. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. now I want to go get a... You know, a Ferrari, or all of a sudden your your eyes get bigger. But then there comes a point where, like you said, you start thinking selflessly, and then you watch somebody come in, and you you take someone and you go get the Raptor with them. I actually have a guy here that is from Salvador, English was a second language. He wanted a Raptor. Same thing. Eight yeah. months went and got him a Raptor, and to watch his life change was way more fulfilling. And so then you start making moves with your team and for your people. And that's when you know you've made the leadership switch, okay? So now my questions are going to be directed towards the thing I'm actually most impressed with you by, which is leaving the comfort of the team and the overrides that you had and going off on your own. And we actually spoke on the phone. I was at the gym right before you did this, and I was telling you on the phone, I'm like, man, you'll never regret it. When you do, let me know because I have some yeah. pointers for you, but you're never going to regret this. Make the move. And it, I'm sure – you had plenty of other convos with people, but I remember that I was sitting in the gym. Actually, I remember sitting in the gym and you went and you started your own solar company yeah. CEO of own energy. Yeah. So tell me about the selflessness that it takes to, to go. And why did you make that change? What's the differences that you're seeing? Like what was the move and why'd you make that move at that point? So what you brought up, uh, uh just a few seconds ago about being able to look at a street and just know that, I could just go knock those doors and pay my mortgage or yep. it, it, it goes back. I always say this to my, uh, my best, one of my best friends, Tyler, Tyler Stoddard. Uh, we'll send it back and forth all the time. Just rich forever. Homie. Wait, Tyler Stoddard. Is he the guy that's really skinny, small yeah. guy, short, yeah. no yeah. muscles? No, no. Yeah. He's like five foot two, 180 pounds. <laughs> so he's like a short little fat guy actually, but he has really skinny arms. <laughs> Tyler's sitting over here right now. Tyler looks like the freaking Hulk Jr. Yeah, so yeah, he's a <laughs> he's he's an impressive individual. He's a specimen. I yeah. I mean I I you know yeah. I mean don't take him out to the clubs. Oh well, I have before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we'll, no, we'll ask that question in yeah. a minute. We uh we always send it back and forth. Um, just rich forever, homie. And it's just like a kind of a thing that we have where we just have we've learned a skill that it doesn't matter what industry you go in. Um. 
any door to door. Door to door is not going anyway, anywhere. And so solar might go away, um, but there will always be bugs. There's always going to be alarms. People are always going to need satellite TV. Well, maybe not always, but there's always going to be something to sell door to door. And so we learned a skill that we can take with us anywhere and be literally rich forever as long as we're willing to get out of our doors and go knock on, you know, people, homeowners doors. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I was in a really cush position at my, uh, at my last job, had a pretty uh, healthy override. And, um, I kind of realized that at the last company I was at, that they aren't going to lift the skirt, right. you know, for, for some people, they're just looking for that, that, that paycheck. And so being able to go out and be a part of an organization that provides a, a system for you to go out and sell accounts and make your paycheck, that's what they're looking for because they have other aspirations of what they want to do with the money or whatever. You know what I mean? So they don't want a responsibility, whatever it is. But for me, I get bored very, very, very easily. And Is that why you hate your budget sheets? No, I don't hate them. I just don't freaking understand them. I, some of the, some of the formulas get messed up, and I'm like, I'm done. I can't I can't fix this thing. So I have to pay someone to fix it. But no, no, I actually love that stuff. Uh, but I love learning and progressing. And so um, once you start making a certain amount of income, like I talked about before, it doesn't matter anymore. Like whether you make five hundred, a million, two million, like. It's just the money's there and you can get whatever you want. So you, any more like more fulfillment mm. and building a team, to, uh, you know, obviously being successful myself, selling, building a team was successful doing that. And then I just realized that I was just a, an account machine, you know, for the last company that I was at. And I had some issues where I kind of felt that we were underpaid, you know, on certain things and, and very, uh, just brainwashed almost, mm. um, you know, but uh, anyway, so I wanted to leave and uh, go build another market. So I went from Vegas to Austin, then Austin to Orlando to do the same thing for, for them. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Orlando, it's a different market. Orlando is a very, very different market. And their business model did not fit within those parameters of what Florida needed. Right. And so I got there and they just kind of left me high and dry. You know, mm-hmm. they... Uh, Asked me to go out there. I went out there, packed everything, drove out there by myself. I was like, I'll go do it, you know, and got out there, started selling accounts. But then they all were canceling um, due to, you know, being priced too high. And then they kept giving me the runaround of, hey, you know, it's just not in our business model to drop the price. And I'm like, well, you guys are one of the biggest companies in the nation. And everybody else is selling a little bit cheaper, but you can't. You know what I mean? So they started giving that runaround. And I was like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, I... I want to be a part of an organization that can sell uh, competitively in every single market, not just the ones that you can inflate the price per watt. Right. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And so I started looking at other options on what was on the table because there's 428 solar companies in Florida. Okay. And they've, I don't know if everyone's doing great, but there's got to be at least some of them doing it. And so whatever they were doing, I wanted to do because I love Florida. And so I started looking around and found that there was other options that were actually very attractive. And I was like, I'm going to go do that. And I just did whatever I could do to learn that little system and adopt it. And so, and that's what I did. So I quit and they would say otherwise, but I quit and just started, you know, getting the train moving. So love it. What um, it's interesting too. I actually a couple of things came to my mind while you're talking because again we we've been doing this too long. We know too many mutual people, and now you know for me, and I just wanted to like cut it up with you for a minute. No, not an interview, but let's just cut it up as homies for a second. So it bothers me greatly when I move my family across the country. Four times, New Jersey, California, Texas, Utah for a company. And the market's not what they think it is, right? It's not, it's not in their model. And I end up changing everything to fit the model and make it work. And, but there's still money. And I sit there in, in these meetings and was told, Hey, there's no money on the, in these accounts. We can't sell here. 
even to the point of making me pay for certain things out of my own, the sell, the commission structure, right? And so then leaving the company for reasons we will not discuss here via attorneys and having the same markets because I feel like it's a huge competitive advantage. I'm getting somewhere with this promise. And all of a sudden diving in and realizing there's a lot of money. There's still a lot of meat on this bone. And why in the world would that company create and take such a stand on that leg when clearly it wasn't the, the full truth, right? And then you find out that there are other individuals that go to other markets that are similar in revenue and they're able to bend or change the rules for other individuals that you and I both know in other places and they make money. And as a CEO now, I look at that situation with a new lens, right? As someone who has to juggle. And I think to myself, man, if I had a guy who was willing to go uproot and move to Austin, move to Colorado and move and, 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 and go do it and figure it out. Well, I would do everything. And I, you know what? I actually do everything in my power to facilitate over and above as a CEO. Why do you think that these companies, because I don't get this, and I've been this, I've been a CEO now for six years, complete, and I do not understand why, why do you think a company would pick somebody, pay them a certain amount of money to go into a certain market and do something that they told you they wouldn't, and you sit back and watch that, and it just is baffling to you. Certain individuals that aren't willing to go out and do the work themselves, they'll tip the scales in their favor for things that they told you completely opposite. And as a CEO, would you ever do that? Or why would you make that move? What would inspire the company to do that thing when you know in your soul it's not right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, uh, I do. Um, whenever you have someone that's... Uh, with a company from the very, not the very, very, very beginning, I was there whenever they weren't doing really that many accounts right. to what they're doing now, which is actually extremely impressive. Um, but I had set records and I had done things that I had a name for myself there. Mm-hmm. And if I go somewhere and then I start mixing the pot, you know, and stirring it and kind of finding little issues and stuff, well, if they make an exception there, and they start dropping their red lines per se, right, mm-hmm. to what's needed for where I was, that eventually is going to get out, and then the whole fucking, the whole skyscraper is coming down. Doesn't right? that happen anyway, though? It, it doesn't if you stay out of the markets where it's going to show them, you know, you know, open, you know, open their, their, their skirt to where people can see what, what the actual like margins are. Does that make sense? And so if they have one market that's selling 50 cents less, but they're making the exact same, then all the other managers and restaurants are like, what the hell? They can do it there at this price, but how come, does that make sense? Sure. And so from from their point of view, it was just self-preservation because Mm. I would, I am going to say something, right? I'm not someone to just kind of flop over and just be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to make it work with what I have. Like if there's better tools out there. And so they knew I wasn't backing down. I wanted it to work. I was passionate. I I went there for a reason and it wasn't going to work with the toolbox that I had and I needed this and this and this and they weren't going to do it. And so in there, and I think it was just self-preservation of Mm. like, cool. If, if we facilitate, It'll grow. Someone's going to say something, and then the rest of the the company is going to start raising eyebrows. Like, hey, we're making X, selling X, and they're making the same, selling thirty percent less. So, where's all that other? Does that make sense? Sure. Does that make sense? I, they should have done more market research. I was just a stupid manager. Mm-hmm. I felt invincible. I could go anywhere and do anything. Right? They should have done more market research before deploying out there right and so that we wouldn't have been in that situation and i probably would have still been at that company but i'm mm. super thankful that it did happen right because it gave me a reason to hate them 
enough to leave them. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? And so, um, not hates a, a very strong word, but to be a, in a position towards like, I don't want to make these guys money anymore. I don't, I don't care if I don't like you. I don't want to make you a dime. If I like you, I want to make you a million dollars. And that, that just opened my eyes kind of who they were and what they were about. Right. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. So it's that it takes a situation like that to actually understand. And I feel like I'm, you know, we're not perfect. When you run a business, you got to make hard decisions. And the truth about hard decisions is that there is no easy decisions. They're all hard. Yeah. And there's always going to be multiple ramifications. But the one that I don't understand is the the self-preservation issue because I feel like that is a cannibalistic trait in the end where how are they doing in that market now anyway? They're not there. Exactly. Yeah. So either you are going to self-preserve yourself by letting the people, boots on ground, give you the right intel and figure it out and make the moves, which is what we exactly try to do. And, you know, you're a product of this us doing that exact same thing in our business model right now. And how do we self-preserve by giving up to go up? And I feel like no one actually, you have, I think it's shareholders. I think it's big box business. I think it's, and I feel that with you at own energy or these other companies like United energy or these other, these other dealers that can pivot and move or these other smaller installer companies that can make those decisions will end up being the future of so I mean look at all the malls right now. The malls are yeah. are gone. Now yeah. where's all the business getting ha- being had? Yeah, just online. Online multiple yeah. hundreds of little companies, right? Yeah. yeah. So so why do you, why did the, you pick a small dealer the, when you could have been a big box business, right? Options, options, you know, I, these these larger uh, vertically integrated companies, quote unquote. Uh-huh. Um, they <sighs> They create this culture that's the you can't do it culture mm-hmm. by yourself. You know, you can't. You need me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, by Because I'm so big. My yeah. volume. Yeah. And so we can weather storms and we can, you know, if something happens here, we can we can have your back and we have the cat and all this shit. And so, and they're all cool guys. They're all fucking cool. Like. Nah. Not, okay, not all of them. But the ones, <laughs> the voices of the company, where they're at. There's we're talking some, about two different companies too. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. talking about two different yeah. companies, but okay. Yeah. I'll go there. Um, but they, uh, they do a very, very great job at, you know, getting you to drink the Kool-Aid and believe that they are the best and that yeah. there is nothing better out there. You cannot get more pay. You cannot get better support. You can't get better options and you, you can't go out there and have the ability to provide different products to their customers to give them a truly custom system and provide different loan products and with better dealer fees and better install times, better there. It's not out there. It doesn't exist. You right. can't do that. That's a fallacy. And then there, it is out there. Oh my gosh. And whenever people are telling you that it's not there, it's, and they're adamant on it, it's probably because they're afraid of like, Hey, it actually is out there and I need to keep them where I'm at. Cause once they find that out, like I did, that's when people start going and doing their own thing. And dealers absolutely will 1,000% take over the industry because you can offer any product, inverter, panel, batteries, any loan product between a 7-year to a 25-year, yeah. whatever you want between, and better install times because you're separating the organization. You're Correct. taking the sales guys and let them do what they're great at and then the installers and let them do what they're good at. When you right. start mixing them, shit gets all weird, right? You have everything's mediocre, but if you separate and you have just install guys and just sales guys and they're both running their own organizations, you get the two top tier industries just kind of like working together versus trying to mesh it all together in one sphere. Does that make sense? Completely. I mean, you know, I, I, I understand yeah. this at my core in fact, I believe it so much. I mortgaged my house and sacrificed everything. Uh, gave up every piece of stock I had from being the fifth guy at a multi-billion-dollar company because I believe this so much. Right? Yeah. I also think that um, the uh, you, you use a great analogy. I want you to hit on it today, which is you, we were talking today, and the guy that came in after you, um, fascinating. He was saying the same thing. Like, but this is, and so I actually got our proposals together, and this is so crazy, right? I said, I said, me and you are going head to head. 
and he's a part of a big box company right now. I said, this is a customer here. You can pick any tool. It's like, it's like medieval times. And I, this is what I told them. It's medieval times. You pick your, pick your best tool. I'll pick mine, and we'll go fight yep. for the, the hand of this fair maiden. Yeah. Like I was just being funny because I knew it was going to happen. And I said, pick your loan, drop your price, do whatever you got to do, pick your panel, let's go give the customer the very best of whatever you can, let's go win this customer. And I said, and you can be the customer. So it's super unfair, but let's go. So we picked the loans. He picked his favorite loan, the best loan, pricing, whatever. And at the end, the result was they were using 345 panels, M-phase string inverters for price because he had to get it and save him dollars on this to be most effective because we were talking all-around business. Yeah. Uh, and at the end, it was, um, and this is where it's crazy, dealer fee percentage was less than, but... It was costing more, which if you're watching, that means someone's skimming, just FYI. So that was happening. Yeah. And then uh, it was commissions to the rep. We were paying the rep $3,000 more on the exact same kilowatt system, yeah. saving the customer $4,000 more on total loan amount and giving them 375 M phase Top of the line panels. Yeah. So it was, and he was, he's like, no way. It was just yeah. so fascinating to watch the Kool-Aid. And I'd done it for years, but the end result was so crazy that now the shift is happening. So, but, but to this point, you use a great analogy. So you've been with a couple other companies with own other installers. And now you're with a, another company and you were talking about creating a, a toy. You remember that analogy? You're saying this toy and they want you to play with it. But you don't want to play with it? No. Nope. Do you remember? This was such a great analogy. Damn it. Okay, you said that this company over here, they had created and spent all this money and built this awesome toy, this big blue ball, you said. And you said, I want to, they want me to play with it. And I got to play with it, and it was actually really cool, and it does this and this and this. And you said, I actually don't, I, I only played with it for a little while, and then I stopped wanting to play with it. The toy got tiring. It's like after Christmas, Three hours after you play with your toy, you put the toy down. Yeah. And what do you look for? The next toy. The next toy. Yeah. And what do you really want? You said, I want to play with it with somebody else. I said, I want to play with it with my team. I want to connect with people. So what is it about the current structure that you have now with the install company that you're using now versus the one that you had prior? What was it that made you want to work with those guys? I mean, share with the world. And here's what's crazy, what I've learned about doing this podcast. You can give the exact secret. Yeah. You can literally give the secret and no one gives two shits because no one either has the balls to do it, yeah. the money to do it, yeah. or the know-how to execute it. So it doesn't even matter what you say. Yeah. I've actually laid out million-dollar things out here and yeah. everyone's like, oh, that's really cool. I'm like, you have no idea what I yeah. just told you. So what make what was the difference? Tell like the last company or the next company. What's the thing that made you want to do what you're doing right now and why? So what what I was talking about there, I, I was saying that like uh, some some EPCs have the have, do have it all figured out, and they 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 have everything balled up in a package where it's it's a plug and play. You can come right in, and the system works perfect. It, the stats work, and they'll keep track of everything and um, keep track of your accounts and whatever. But they just here use it, and then it's like, well, like I want to learn about it more and help understand it more, not just use it. Right. And that's not how they operated. And they had this amazing formula. You plug and play. That's what they said. And it, and it did, it fucking worked. Yeah. But the problem is that you just kind of felt like you were by yourself, mm -hmm. you know, just another cog in the machine where you didn't kind of, you didn't feel like they gave a shit and they didn't, and in their model, they didn't need to because they gave a shit enough to build the system that yep. you could use, right? But I feel like most people value contact over content. Mm. And so they were giving all the content in the world for you to click on and, and go through and, and look at. But they were never actually made you feel like they were there. Like, and they even knew that you were there. And so I... Uh, Coming over here, um, Austin Summers is just a, just a different being. He's really, really, really cool. And his, and his ability to 
he could be either the greatest salesman in the world or he really does give a shit. But um, I don't I don't really have a huge history with him, but he always made it made me feel like we did like we were best friends, you know. And so I just I value the like the knowledge and the, the help that someone gives me more than the things they give me. Yeah, does that make sense? Hundred percent. And so him being there for my calls, you know, it doesn't matter. I kind of feel like I'm the only guy here with him. Like he's I'm I'm just his his he's my certified assistant just to answer my calls no matter what, no matter what it is. I'll text me, text right back, you know, and it doesn't matter. You know, and so that I value more. And I know I'm not the only one. There's hundreds, you know what I mean? And so that makes 335 fun. actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it feels good. So it feels good. Um, like I said, I value contact over content and, um, yeah, I think that's so, and I'm glad you said that because that's the quote that, um, I'll always remember you by, you told me that the very first time I met you, you said, I need contact over content. And I said, I hear you. That's exactly why I'm here doing what I'm doing because of the exact same thing. You can give me all the tools you want, but unless you're going to actually let me help build it, help me create it and work with me through it, I'm here for an experience. Yeah. I'm here to, to learn and grow. We came to this life to learn and grow. And this business has helped me become the man I want to be end game and, and, end game. Yeah. And so I feel like your contact over content quote is massive, massively huge. Um, thanks for that, man. I think, I think he's a stud too. Um, and I feel like, you know, when you pick people to be your partners, finding people that are great at what you do is important. So they respect your game, but that they are best at things you're not good at. Yep. And people will let the tyranny of the or take over that statement and say, well, I need someone who's not good at what I'm good at so I can shine. And then they've, got to be great at what I'm not great at Yeah, where that's not the truth. I think that the, the beautiful harmony of the and needs to rule here, which is they need to be great at what I do too. So they respect my hustle Yeah, and they need to be better where I'm not better. Right. Yeah. yeah. So when you've picked your partners, um, you know, the five foot midget and the strapping male model and Dave, what, um, what were you looking and why did you, pick these guys to help be your dudes and your go-tos when you started. You've got two studs here with you in the, the studio today. Shout out Tyler Dave. What up dudes? Glad you're here. What made you want to pick these guys? What was the thing that was like, Hey, these guys got what I got and they are strong where I'm not. Well, with Tyler, he, uh, this guy's been through some shit when it comes to solar. Like he's, he's a professional football player. He's, he's done nothing but be phenomenal at whatever he chose to do in his entire life. At least that's what, you know, I, I, I view it. And, and that thing was sports mm. and he, uh, it's tough whenever you're at that level for so long to go into a different industry and suck. Mm. And so he, uh, he struggled a lot and I was, I just always took a liking to him he, just cause he's just so, he's just a dog. Just, I don't care. Like, I'm better than all of these guys, just not yet. That's, mm. that's the mentality that he has. And he's, at least that's what, you know, I've, I've found. And that is attract, like, that's like, man, I want to be with, because that guy, he's great at what he used to be and is, and he wants to be good at this, and he will be. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people in this industry, it's not if you'll be successful or if you can make a hundred thousand or 200, it's win. win. just give it enough time. Yep. You'll figure this shit out. It's not hard, but eventually it just, it just takes time. And he understood that. And I saw it. It took him like 18 months. Yep. Like he was rough. And then now he made, he made more last month or sorry, this month, this, and it's the 20th. Mm -hmm. He's made more this month than most people make in a year. And he went from making, I think, I mean, last year he made less than $75,000. Mm -hmm. And then this month he, he's made almost that already. It's amazing. And so seeing, and I knew that, I just knew it was in him. And he, what's funny is I was, I hired him in Vegas at my last company. 
and we got really, really close. And then I was moving to Austin, Texas, and I didn't tell him. He, I didn't want to tell anybody until just at the meeting. I was going to break it to everybody. And at the meeting, I did it. <clears throat> Told everybody, everybody's sad or whatever, but they were happy. And then I just get a text from him, and <laughs> it says, after this meeting, we're, we're going to fight mano y mano. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? And I got there, and he's like, I'm going with you. I was like, no, man, you got to stay. You're, you're just figuring it out. Like, stay here. Work with the team that we built here. They're going to help. He's like, nope, I don't give a shit. I'm going. And sure shit. He actually moved up there before I did. <laughs> and then whenever I quit, uh, or I went to Orlando, and he was like, all right, I'm coming with you. Mm. And he quit and was with me. But just his his loyalty, his willingness to be just as giving as I am. You know, I like to surround myself with other people that care more about other people, people than themselves. And he's he embodies that. And he is he, – he, he'll be great at anything he does. Mm. And – I want to be a part of that, you know? So That's awesome. Um, and then with David, me and David go way back. He was a superstar stud. Uh, no. Oh, God. So he was, uh, correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong, he, uh, he he told me once, because I asked him, well, how good were you at swimming? And he said, well, let, let, me just, let me just say this. If there was the top, you in this room, if you could fit 50 of the best swimmers in the wor- in the world in mm-hmm. this room that we're in there's probably 47 that could beat me in the world mm. Se- over 7 billion people and he is on a different level uh, but probably the greatest athlete I've ever known um, I trained with him for um, probably a year year and a half um, we were both trying to go into a, a special program in the Navy and all, I was just a dork growing up, played video games, skinny mm-hmm. little turd, didn't play, didn't play sports or anything, and I was like, well, I'm going to go do that. And so um, he was already a, a well-established athlete at his college in UNLV and captain of the swim team and had multiple records, just a stud, and he was doing it too. And he joined the program, and there was like 15 of us, and – some guy came up and was like, hey, you know, I want to put on workouts for you guys. We're like, all right. All of us showed up. And it was at 4 in the morning. Then the next – and every day. And then the next day, about half half as many dudes were there. Then, like, the third day, half as many dudes were there. And then by the fourth or fifth day, there was just me and him and one other dude. Mm. And that was it from then on. And he kind of took me under his wing and never gave up on me. And, I, you know, he helped train me and just – was just always there and just always a positive light mature very mature very understanding and he uh he helps keep me like level-headed on a lot of things you know um I'm very aggressive in my goals and what I want and sometimes that overshadows what needs to happen you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and Mm -hmm. sometimes tenderness is more important than aggression and and not in like a fighting way, but I mean like sometimes it's better just to pull back and be smooth. You know, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. And that's him. He's he's always that level-headed, can see things on a much clearer level. And he is a big reason that, you know, all three of us are together. I mean, Tyler and David, you know, and so um, for, for many reasons. So Love it. So we've got this rock star leadership team. we got the – Solar being slanged in in Florida. So if I'm in Florida, and I want to be have a great experience and and growth as a person as an individual, learn from great leaders in a, an upcoming, still thriving industry in the renewable energy industry. What is it about Own Energy? Why would I want to join Own Energy? Um, other than the great guys that we've just talked about, what is it? Why would I want to join Own Energy in Florida? Well, you're going to surround yourself with guys that are just like you. You know, we're all awesome in our own ways and losers in others. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. so we're just Mm -hmm. normal dudes that have abnormal desires to be, Mm -hmm. you know, the best. And so we we want to take average people. And we want to take the studs, too. That didn't come from average life, you know. Uh, But give those average guys that have a shot that their work ethic – doesn't match their current paychecks 
and show them that with the right vehicle, they can live a life that they couldn't even imagine. And we've put in place, we've partnered with people uh, for training programs and because there's, we don't know everything, but we will absolutely go find someone that does that can give us the knowledge that we need for not only ourselves and our guys, and we've done that. Um, and just being around guys that give more shit about everybody else than they do about themselves. That is the most important part. When you have somebody else that's working harder for you than you're working for yourself, yeah. that's that's the most important thing. Because in this industry, people, and you know it, the, the whole, venta- it's found money. They yep. take, you hire somebody, you don't pay them any money unless they go and sell an account. Correct. Well, you hire 100 dudes, throw them out the wall and hope 10 stick, right? Well, that's 10 dudes that... It's just free money, and I hated that. I hate that mentality because I, I was treated that way. At least I felt that way. And they're, luckily, I'm just stubborn. I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to figure it out. But there's a lot of guys that aren't. That, And not everybody can be that way and be that stubborn and just, I call it being strategically stubborn, where you have an end goal, but you're just unwilling to give up to get there. Mm. You know. And so a lot of people don't have that, or they don't have the means to. And they get thrown against the wall, and they might not stick. And so they have the opportunity to live an amazing life. They just don't have the proper path or the leadership. And that really bugs me. And so I want to make sure I always tell the guys that, that I bring on, I, I don't ever bring on too many guys at once because I don't ever want anybody to feel like I don't care about them. Right. And so we only bring on guys that we can facilitate because I don't ever want to have anybody in my in my hands that I drop mm. just because I'm being careless with my I don't know my my power you know where I'm hiring and firing well I had the choice to hire you and I said yes well I have an obligation right for you to be successful right you know and give you everything I have and if I don't do that then I failed as a human mm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. It's your, your responsibility, your your mantle, your uh, it's your thing. So, last question: If you found out that you were passing on through this life, and you had a son, you had a son, and you had to give him, you had thirty seconds to give him the most valuable piece of information to help him be successful, or and he knows you love him, okay? But what would be the one piece of, what would be the one lesson you've learned in life that would that you would want him to remember you by and also that would resonate and help him the most in his life? What would be the one lesson in 30 seconds that you would pass on to someone, to your son, if you were leaving? Just always be okay with the fact that you might be wrong. Mm. And that, once you stop believing that, then you're done. You're, there's people that are the same when they're 20 years old as when they're 40, when they're 60, when they're 80, because they think that they have it all figured out. I firmly believe that every single one of my beliefs personally, I could be wrong about. Every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Might be the smallest percent, but I'm okay with, with that because I want to be wrong. And I would hope that my son would embody that so that he never stops looking for the truth. Mm. And that means wanting to be better human, better friend, better worker, more proficient. Uh, Yeah. Love it. I'm so glad we talked about your background being raised because at the end of this, it makes complete sense why you are who you are, why you care so deeply, why you like to connect, why you like contact, why your whole team is is like you with the care and the charisma, but it's more important to give someone your heart than, you know, give them your hand. And but what crazy what I've noticed about you is that you're you're always very quick to offer your hand after you give someone your heart. So, dude, big shout out to you, man. So proud of you from Always have kept my eye on you for the last 10 years, watching you come up. Actually, sorry, five years. My time's getting away. Five Wait, years. You've been watching me? 10 years, five years. <laughs> um, it feels like that long. 
I think because yeah. I think back on it because it was when I took over that the Southwest Market. Yeah, it was ten years ago, but it wasn't five years until you guys came into the picture. Yeah. So, yeah. but um, man, time goes by quick. But um, from rep setting records to team setting industry records to you know running your own company CEO and more than anything a man of value and a man and a, with a character that is somebody that actually cares about people. I just want to tell you, man, I appreciate your friendship. I'm so grateful to be working with you. And uh, I'm so glad we got this out there because you got a lot of good things that people need to hear. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the opportunity to speak to me and learn about own energy and who we are and, and uh, getting me out here. So love it, my man. Awesome. Thank you, dude. Thank you. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Doors to Success podcast. Don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe for more. Visit bholmes.com for more information on how you can join the B-Print.